Hi, everyone. Before we get into the show today, I wanted to disclose that the shows we cover in this episode discuss suicide, depression, sexual assault, and graphic violence, also clowns and Nazis. Listener discretion is advised. (laughs) I don't think people are scared of witches. They're just scared of women in groups. I don't get it. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, Thank you for tuning in to I Don't Get It. This is a podcast about performances in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. I'm Laura. I'm Colleen. And we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You may wonder why I'm here with not Paul. Um, And that is because Paul is spending most of February um, with high school kids doing the Wildfire Festival, um, which is an improv festival. Um, It's it's actually a competition, a month-long competition um, for improv kids in high school. So you and all of your sons have something like that to look forward to. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> all right. We did we saw some we saw many things this week. Um and so maybe let's start with the um the most recent thing, the thing that we are just coming out of now. Colleen, we saw the invisible. Indeed we did. Uh the invisible running at the, the- at the Citadel Theater by by Catalyst Theater. Um uh, written by Jonathan Christensen, who did music and lyrics and all that beautiful stuff. Um, this is a, a show, <clears throat> excuse me, set during World War II about um, a, f- a female British uh, operative, or I guess what what would you anyway? And then there's a band of six women who go in and they're secret operatives in Paris, um, helping with the war effort during the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the musical is it, this was its Edmonton premiere. Um, it started out uh, in Calgary last year, won a number of the um, Bettys, uh, kind of equivalent to Edmonton Sterlings down there. Um, so give us a little bit of um, the, sort of how is the cast made up in this show who are we seeing on stage right so we initially there's uh when you when, we, when the show starts there's sort of this folk tale that is sort of told by just the whole cast uh and nobody you know sort of just as a group um but then the show emerges and evelyn ash emerges as sort of the the narrator of this show and she's a member of the Brit- uh, the british war task or whatever and she is managing uh operative teams in in paris and they figure out that if they can get a team of women to go over they're going to have some more success and so she goes and personally recruits this whole team of female operatives um the way that this show is put together uh there's a big effort to make sure that diversity is represented amongst this group of women which is wonderful so you see um a black woman uh, an east indian woman um a woman of cree descent and um, a woman with the handicap uh so you know you have this really diverse group of women and 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 as they sort of do their training each of them have a strength so you've got this sense of a really empowered group of women which is i think what the show is trying to show is trying to bolster up so you have this powerful cast of seven women mm-hmm. um going out there and telling a very powerful like a a, a story about you know physical strength about about fighting the war and being spies (laughs) i think um it was i you know it was interesting in the first act it's kind of it is a a lot of exposition Mm -hmm. um you know the the narrator uh comes out um 
Evie and she goes into how the idea came about to cast this team of female operatives and then you're introduced to each of the female operatives and then you go through training with all of the female operatives and there are numerous songs through each of these phases and then finally these operatives get their first assignment and you think you're maybe at the end of the first act but you're not quite yet <laughs> so so I mean it, it, it did feel kind of like there was a lot leading up to it by the time everybody kind of got into introduced and you and you were and you started buying in to who was there i felt that i bought into the character of the narrator right away i felt that the performer melissa mcpherson did a fantastic job um was so authentic and grounded throughout the entire performance i felt like in certain ways a one-woman show with that performer doing all of the characters could have been <laughs> a cool thing yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't take my eyes off her I was I was into her story for sure unfortunately I mean even though all this time was spent on introducing all the women I don't know that I ever really felt super passionate about any of them it didn't it didn't pay off in the end uh, except for the relationship with Anna um, who was the one who uh, you know kind of had like sort of like an honesty bug Um, and so they're like worried you know as an honest person you make a terrible spy so (laughs) so they were really worried about her performance in this in this um, operation that they were going through Um, but we won't give away what happened Um, but what do you what do you think were some of the strongest moments um, in in the invisible oh my gosh I have to give a shout out to Tara Jackson, her voice, uh, who plays Madeline Barr, Bar, Bar, um, uh, she she sings a song towards the end of the first act that <clears throat> doesn't necessarily go towards the exposition of the story, but was so much fun. Um, gosh, I would sit there and just listen to her sing me the phone book. Like, what a voice! <laughs> Holy smokes! And actually, I have to say, every cast member in this in this ensemble, I thought was very was a very strong singer. I you know there weren't any weak links for me. Um, but I just she was she just blew me away so that was just super fun for me mm-hmm. um, there were a couple of songs that I kind of got into but um, but I thought the staging was actually quite effective for what they were trying to do so they had a series of projections and the floor kind of lit up and then they had these voiceovers so that all the, 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 the six women who were in this operative thing played all the other characters and they just did it by uh, toning their voices with a with a microphone mm-hmm. and I actually thought that worked yeah all of all of the German Nazi appearances were just a really kind of like um, staticky mic effect <laughs> and we, of course with a German accent I know they were working with a, um, a language coach I saw in the program on this uh, so yeah so they, they had all those things come out I felt that Anna's song at the end was very very strong it was a really beautiful song that I like kind of stuck with me a lot um, I think that the, the projection and lighting design was fantastic and I feel that the physicality of the characters was was interesting but I kind of felt in certain parts that it was almost over choreographed I just wanted them to plant and sing almost you know I kept going back to thinking the last you know the last all-female musical that we saw at the Citadel was six Um, of course it's a different company this is an entirely different show but you know 
I kind of just wanted them to like hike the mics. I wanted to hear the belting, you know, I want and and it, there weren't too many moments like that. This was all really um, very ensemble heavy. As soon as you even thought that someone was getting kind of like a moment in the sun, everyone would come and join them. And, it, yeah. you, you know, you know, it would all sort of like be together all the time. And I felt that the dialogue was a little... Um, cliche <laughs> well, yeah yeah like in some of the songs like it just the the, the lyrics to some of the songs uh, yeah you could sort of just see it coming it didn't it, as opposed to sort of you know they say like show don't tell mm-hmm. and so some of the lyrics in the songs were doing a lot more telling than showing mm-hmm. for me so it was sort of like we're traveling down a road and you're <laughs> like i don't know that, that requires a song but <clears throat> but anyway um but I agree with you. Like some of the songs where like the actors, actresses got to just stand and do their thing were far more impactful for me than a lot of the, the ensemble pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they, like, I, I, yeah, the whole thing was supposed to be about this band of strong, powerful women. So there were a lot of like strong, powerful women songs. But yeah, and the dancing kind of sometimes got to be too much. And it was like they're doing all these like She-Ra moves and they're singing about how victorious we are. <laughs> and I, to, to some extent, they lost me a little bit with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm all for like girl power and like female compa- like female compadre sort of like team spirit feeling. But this did kind of feel like a sort of like watching or listening at least to a sports interview sometimes like well yeah we're gonna go in there as a team and we're gonna and we're gonna buckle down and we're passionate and gonna give they're gonna push us down yeah they're gonna push us down but we're gonna get back up um and 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 actually like literally you know that amount of cliche in the lyric started a little to get a little heavy but I think that the second act really um brought it home and was actually um, you know it it felt it felt it felt nice it felt like they won the game in the end even though they really didn't oh my god spoil the ending I'm not spoiling it but it's the war it's like fucking world war two Nazis really sucked you guys I was just gonna say (laughs) thanks Brian well and I think I think that something for me that that was that was it's hard when you have a story that relies on the fact that um, you know that we're sympathetic to mothers with children and we are sympathetic to war um, and I mean we have those feelings and those are archetypal feelings for a reason but just relying on those feelings alone sometimes didn't make the action as urgent for me as maybe mm-hmm. it could have so I actually feel like some character development and like you know into the female ness of the characters actually could have paid off yeah um uh but you know like it just it it seemed like the the the, yes the cast was female but was there anything really you know other than the the one who was playing who was a mother character like who who had children and other than um the narrator saying my girls my girls like rupaul all the time it it didn't have to be girls no yeah that's true actually all of those characters could have been male that's true um okay but you know what couldn't have been male those darn gorgeous costumes i loved all the costumes i would really like to get myself a war corset and just like (laughs) did they wear war corsets in world war ii Hmm. i don't know 
but I sure kind of hope so because they were super cute. I also, I really do want to say that I loved that the live band, there was a three-piece live band on stage the entire time, um, a drum kit, a violinist, and a keyboardist, and I thought that they were all fantastic. The band um, members were um, Stephanie Urquhart, Tatiana Zagorak, and Christina Cuglietta. Um, I thought... I, I loved seeing that as the first scene coming out. Um, that was really, really like kind of punctuated what we were about to get into. Um, and the projections, um, you know, of course, Brett Garricky, like you already mentioned the costumes, but visually, of course, the show is just fantastic as everything Brett Garricky pretty much ever does. So, oh, you know. I also want more culottes. I'm just. <laughs> Like the pants, yes. the, like the cute pants. There were there were cute pants, and it doesn't matter how big your hips are, and and they had great boots, and yeah. Also, Melissa McPherson just like, bam. Oh. <laughs> it was a like she just she looked like she walked out of a beautiful Disney movie. Like she was just so like, in that zone. I just I could have watched her. It's oh. just like hair vest, beautiful brooch. Give it to me. (laughs) 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 All right. And so we've revealed too much about our personal feelings for for some cast members. Um, And with that, Laura, do you have anything you wanted to say about the invisible or shall I do an ad? (laughs) You should do an ad. Okay, I'm going to do an ad. Taproot Edmonton is a source of curiosity-driven stories about our city, cultivated by the community. It's a new way to deliver local journalism with a focus on high-quality, long-form stories, plus weekly curated roundups on news and local topics like media, city council, food, music, and arts, too. You can sign up to become a member and get more info at taprootedmonton.ca. P.S. We highly recommend the Arts Roundup, written by yours truly. You can sign up at taprootedmonton.ca to get it in your inbox every Thursday. Okay. Awesome. Laura. <laughs> okay. Do you want to talk about every brilliant thing first? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Great. Let's do it. Um, so uh, every brilliant thing is also running at the Citadel Theater right now. Um, Laura, what is every brilliant thing about? Um, it is the story. Uh, it's a one-man show starring John Elliott. It is about growing up with a mom who has psychological issues and then as an adult falling in love and having to sort of relook at those issues you had as a child and it's about resilience and community and uh yeah getting through what is what are the what is the every brilliant thing in the title what does that refer to it's a list he started as a kid when his mom said she didn't want to live anymore he started to make a list of all the things that made it worth living i know colleen is making like sobbing cry faces right now (laughs) three and a half month old like yeah oh my god so i will a full disclosure i went into this show with uh like a hand like a handkerchief clenched in my fist i'm like i am so i know i'm gonna lose it i had a long week you guys and 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 i was just like ready i'm like okay it's a young boy talking about you know his mother's suicide attempts uh and numerous suicide attempts over his lifetime and um and so i was like just ready to sob ready to cry but you get into the theater and it's in the round and so and the lights are on the whole time you can see everyone everyone can see you and 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 
John Elliott, the actor, is there, and he is handing out um, cue cards with numbered items on them. And during the show, he calls out the numbers, and these audience members are supposed to read the parts of the list that he has been making. Um, and it seems like it's supposed to be like, oh my god, gut wrenching and sad and everything. But I felt, I felt. The this show the show is so redemptive yeah. and warm yeah. and not easy but like it was enjoyable it was actually like a very I feel that there were some very beautiful human moments between the audience and the show and I don't know if it will work that well every night because it is really audience participation based yeah it's amazing I I love the audience participation it's a really well crafted play like the way it goes between improv audience participation sort of punking the audience in a way it gets the audience to do some pretty um, brave things like uh, maybe I shouldn't give it away in case you go seat well well right off the top he asks one of the audience members to play a veterinarian who's supposed to put down his dog yeah as a seven-year-old yes yeah with the and then yeah and then you find the things that you have in order to make the show happen it's like it's like deconstructed theater like really stripped down and it's also theater that makes the actor have to sort of like reach out to the audience like Mm -hmm. it's kind of i don't know it's it's something i haven't seen before it's like he's so dependent on the audience that it must be nerve-wracking for mm-hmm. for the actor as well because you have to just you have to like trust fall it's basically like moshing in the audience the entire show basically yeah. like throwing yourself into their hearts mm-hmm. and like connecting with them but in a real genuine way mm-hmm. uh he and john Elliott does an amazing job of it i mean he was like he was born to do that kind of thing you know yeah yeah, yeah. it was i mean he's an actor that you sort of like are sitting in a room with and you just sort of like trust that you're fine you know like he's not going to be mean or weird or you know even though like one of them you know like it's a there's a character where he asks someone to take their shoe and sock off and it's just kind of like and you can feel the people cringing but they still do it because they they're buying into the world that he's trying to make for everyone and it didn't feel I mean you know yes we've we've heard about audience participation situations in particular even in Edmonton let's say at the fringe um that that you know where people where it was actually kind of like a big deal and boundaries felt like they were getting crossed and even though that this show dealt with some very heavy subject matter it those lines even if they yeah even if they, they did feel like they were crossed it didn't feel like it wasn't worth it yeah exactly there's a big payoff to it and also it was about celebrating humanity and like the people and like Mm. respecting them and showing how beautiful they were and how big their hearts were and how creative they were and people just it's amazing how people can just step up and just (laughs) become an amazing actor in a scene with no rehearsal it's incredible yeah like the night I saw it the the man who was playing his father gets up and he asks him to give sort of like a wedding speech at one point and this man was brilliant like and like you know and and you just felt like you felt like you, we we won we just won that moment you know it will never happen again it is, it is like it was just is is truly some I something I needed <laughs> I know I was impressed with that show and it's nothing like I've ever seen at the Citadel before it's so uh stripped down it's so it's so bare it's so vulnerable mm-hmm. and open and I thought it was great 
I think in a way it could have been a lot harder if you didn't feel like you were actually being taken care of by the performer so much. I feel like it's being done in Winnipeg too. Like it's being done all over with different actors right now. I don't even, I, I don't know if it's like simultaneous even, but it, it's interesting. Yeah, it's opening all over the place. Well, I mean, and it talks about important things. It talks about, you know, like um, uh, it, it does talk about suicide. It does talk about depression. It really addresses um, a lot of those, um, th- you know, things that are really hard to talk about, but it talks about them in, in such a way that, you know, through the eyes of a child and then this person growing up um, and into his own um, and becoming okay with who he is even though he knows like weird things have happened in his past and I, and that was just really yeah I, fe- I felt that it was like very redeeming I did not feel depressed or heavy at the end unlike I felt coming out of the other play we saw <laughs> Laura, yes. what was the other play we saw this week? The Society of the Destitute presents Titus Buffonius. Yeah, or Buffonius. Oh. Or Buffon. I, I don't I know. I believe it's Buffo. No, no, I believe it's <laughs> I believe it's, yeah. Anyway, um, Laura, you, like, I, you know, um, you have some theater background and some clowning background. What, what, what is Buffon? <laughs> Well, I am not an expert on Buffon, but what I know about it is, is that it came from Lecoq, I think, in the 60s. That's right. I said Lecoq. (laughs) (laughs) I said it and I'll say it again. Um, (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Came from Lecoq. Lecoq. In the 60s. You guys, it's Friday. (laughs) And we are hot. How often are we in a room together anymore? We talked about this. They should be scared of women in rooms together. They should be scared of women in rooms together. Um, Okay. So, yeah. And so it's it's a branch of of that clowning style. It is based on being the fool in medieval times so it is like the lowest in society is talking to like the king and telling the king mocking the king basically you see it in Shakespeare you see it all over the place opera, opera. yeah it's that sort of trope um, there, I guess there's two different waves of Buffon I've been hearing like the first wave was like dressing up with like disabilities and stuff like that but then there's something called Neo Buffon which is something new uh, which has different styles of Buffon so it's really like a complicated uh style of clowning so but I like and it makes the audience it mocks the audience and get tries to get away with it mm-hmm. by being funny mm-hmm. yeah and this and this show so it's a new play written by Colleen Murphy it is um, a, a troupe of Buffon actors who are um, in the in the, in their true characters they are um, playing um, people who are destitute in some way yeah. they are um, you know uh, one woman has lost her children to social services there's another recovering alcoholic there is um you know there's a young boy who has um been abandoned uh so orphan abandonment issues colleen is also making like extreme gestures right now (laughs) i know (laughs) um so and they are they are this society for the destitute that is presenting a send-up of shakespeare's titus andronicus titus andronicus is not one of shakespeare's better known tragedies it is one of the most gory and bloody it's one of the first he wrote he wrote if not the first um and 
and and it's 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 kind of bad <laughs> um it's 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 known as a revenge play yeah. so um you know overall in the end you know that you know like people it's gonna get violent and bad and which kind of works for buffon because buffon yeah. is very sort of like sending up the gore and the blood there there is a lot of ketchup and a lot of um you know um dismemberment and things and um all of that. Both of you, please remind me as we're done recording that I have to record a warning afterward to put at the very front of the episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is funny because in the show, there was no Treaty 6 acknowledgement, which has happened before at Theatre Network. And I'm always like, why is that happening? Okay. No, I don't think so. And I checked... There wasn't one tonight either. So I think that's something that theaters should be conscious of doing. I think it's important. But there was no Treaty 6. And then there was like trigger warning. Deal with it. It was kind of like how it was. And then it was like, we we have $500 to produce this play, which isn't true. And then it's like, thank you, taxpayers, for letting us do this. So already it's just like, bam, bam, bam. It's like so offensive. Well, and they keep they kept doing this like meta send up to be like, they would look at the audience very sweetly and all their kind of gory clown makeup and be like, thank you, taxpayers, yeah. for allowing us to do this like disgusting and kind sort of hilarious play. Yeah. <laughs> and I just found it cynical and and I was kind of looking at well, what do I mean by cynical it's just like it's sort of scoffing at any kind of ethics or social values that you would hold so it's kind of like you get the feeling like oh I care about something therefore they will mock me like that's the feeling I get from the Buffon style and the play and so they look at the audience a lot and there's a lot of audience participation but this audience participation is like super like enforced like they will like make fun of you if you don't and like yell at you and stuff like that so I don't know it's very aggressive and like uh, the show but the characters were really uh, interesting and smart and I thought the the actors were really brave and they were doing a lot of different emotional depths like they really connected their emotions Mm -hmm. even within this world it wasn't like a send up of the emotions like they were in the moment and present which made it funny sometimes and um, hilarious Mm -hmm. I did appreciate the way that they sort of interwove the realities of the characters into the Titus Andronicus characters. Yeah. So the the woman who um, played by Bobby Goddard, let's say the who, and in that she's also playing Tamora, Queen of the Goths, in the Titus production. Um, she's talking about how you know she has lost her children to social services, but Tamora has also lost her children to Titus because he's killed them or you know whatever. Um, and she you know she does go through these. There's these moments of sort of like you know like real pathos and real emotion and you know she's there her and Titus are both screaming about children that they've lost um and Lavinia, of course, also like upset, like you know, um, incredibly depressed and, um, you know, suicidal and all sorts of things. After she's been raped and her hands and tongue have been cut out, spoilers. That's what happens in Titus. Lavinia is like just the worst off. <laughs> I know, and actually, Lavinia is something I find really fascinating um, because I find the tongue cutting out sort of uh, a, fin- a finality that happens to Lavinia, so that there's a real consequence to rape in a way that the traumatized victim can't speak afterwards Mm -hmm. period like she can't verbalize and I think that's sort of like the image that is going for in Titus so for in this production just 
randomly she can just speak at any time now and she has this like empowering speech about how she's going to like do something extremely violent to the men that did this to her which I think kind of trivializes the violence that's already in the play so I have this like weird thing where it's like it's extremely violent show but then it also sort of backs off on some of the violence and the consequence sometimes so I think that's kind of interesting but though I feel like the whole play was to trivialize the violence though like the whole thing was just kind of like yes you're there are something so awful that we can push past it with either like you know some kind of gross out comedy or whatever I mean the what I what was funny one of Lavinia's funniest moments or a couple of them were when so when after her hands get cut off they're replaced by like red solo cups <laughs> and <laughs> and and there's a couple of like weird sort of like kind of improvised moments where she's trying to pick up things with the cup hands and it is and it is funny and she and Marguerite Lawler plays uh, Lavinia in this she did I think a fantastic job Um, and but and she really knows how to kind of like ham up that part of it right that this is sort of funny you are watching an actor probably you, you know like a very good actor playing not a very good actor playing you know someone who has been raped and and abused uh, trying to do something that is also just now like kind of like devastatingly pathetic and and, and it's funny for some reason <laughs> well yeah I, and and well i i don't have a very good sense of humor in situations like that <laughs> So I just sat there like, oh, sweet Lord, no. Like, I, and it was a painful experience for me to watch that play because <laughs> I, I was just, like, offended the entire time. And then and then I was like, I, I know that I'm supposed to be offended. That's what they're doing. They're trying to make me angry. But then I was like, why? In this world right now, is this what I need to be doing, sitting here being angry and the world is complete crap and there's no redemption and everyone wants to kill themselves? Is this, is this what I want to sit here watching? And then there was this point, too, where where Tamara came up and started talking about like how birth had turned on some women but for her you know it just ripped her apart and I was like oh really like another birth stereotype where the woman is ripped apart by the baby and she hates it I don't know I was just like everything's so ugly and so disgusting and so cynical uh what is this serving like there where is the redemption I really was like why did taxpayers pay for this (laughs) for real though like I have seen I have I have seen clown shows where they are very violent and vile throughout and by the end though you do feel that there is some payoff like that there's some redeeming like hope or that like love prevailed or that you know like I mean I guess I'll bring up Mom and Smoot because Michael Kennard was one of the clown advisors on this show mm-hmm. um, you know you watch a Mom and Smoot show and or, or, or a style of, of like like that um, and and you see what they're doing and you see that there's sort of like just a love and a relationship there and there was none of that in this show. It definitely wasn't. <laughs> Although I also do want to point out um, Hunter Cardinal played yeah. the these two brothers um, uh, within the show that are just like he flipped back and forth between them so brilliantly yeah. and I like I you know, all of the performers in the show were so fantastic but it was very hard to feel good leaving it yeah exactly like, the whole thing just made me mad and, and just pol- my political brain is just like when you when you bring people to a place of despair and anger and cynicism it doesn't create any sort of change or action or or 
hope or anything. It just keeps the status quo the way it is. And I just think this is a time where we should be looking for ways to connect and, and, and transition and make hope. That's just me. That's my own personal agenda. So it's not for me. When I'm watching it, I'm like, this isn't funny. <laughs> but that's just me. And guess, and guess who brought you there? I know. <laughs> me. <That's right. laughs> this is what we do on I Don't Get It. And so, well, with that, um, I'm going to do another ad. Yeah. This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by Skirts of Fire, a festival that features the work of women in the arts. This year's festival is bigger than ever before. Among the highlights are shows at the ATB Arts Barns, the Station on Jasper, and the Nook Cafe, plus music, dance, drumming, and performance art all along Alberta Avenue. Plus, our friends at Skirts of Fire are offering $5 off tickets to their main stage show, The Blue Hour. I Don't Get It listeners can purchase tickets via the Fringe Theatre box office and use the code PANEL5 at checkout. We will include the info for that in our show notes again skirts of fire takes place from february 27th to march 8th get your tickets today at skirtsoffire.com I'll also say that we're still running um, a giveaway for the next Alberta Ballet show for um, Unleashed. Uh, it's for the February 21st performance. So you can keep an eye on our social media um, for the next couple of, or for the next week and, and we will give away those tickets very soon. All you need to do is like share or comment on the post and it's it's cool. It's going to be a good show. Um, well, thank you both so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, can you help me do the listings because Paul's not here? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, Laura, how about you read the first one? The Society for the Destitute presents Titus Buffonius, Theatre Network, Roxy on Gateway, January 28th to February 16th. And it's already February 7th or 9th by the time this comes out. So it's running until February 16th. <laughs> The Invisible, Agents of Ungentlemanly Warfare at Catalyst Theatre, Citadel, in the McLeod Theatre, running February 4th to the 23rd. All right. Noises Off is already kicked off at the Mayfield Dinner Theatre. That's running until March 29th. The Mammoth Chinook series um, has also already kicked off. That's running until February 16th. That's at the ATB Arts Barns and other places around that area. Every Brilliant Thing, Citadel Theatre, Febu- uh, till February 23rd. And Shakespeare's Dog is playing at the Tim Center for the Arts from February 7th to the 15th. Yeah, and also Broadway Across Canada, Dear Evan Hansen is coming up. Um, That's running February 11th to 16th, and we're going to go see that next week. So, Colleen, right? That's that's in your schedule, right? You've got a babysitter. Yeah, it's called his father, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. And... (laughs) <laughs> and with that, um, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blinoff. Sit here, thank you. I love you.